0: So good morning, welcome. I'm going to, um, you already have your mic, good. I'm going to invite one of our practitioner interns to do our opening treatment today. So, um, and Joseph Gabrielson, who is to my left, you're right. And he is uh, a guy that uh, goes to extraordinary lengths to get here each and every time because as you can tell by his mode of transportation, it's a bit more involved than uh, the rest of us. So he has been devoted to this path for the last two and a half years with his fellow classmates, and uh, so I want to honor that today, and ask him if he'd be willing to do our opening prayer. So I'm going to, uh, I'll time as we drop into some silence for 30 seconds, um, and then I'll sing a, a chant in this very room that many of you know, and then Joseph will pray us in. So I'm going to invite you as you, we prepare to close our eyes, to just simply settle into your heart space. And if closing your eyes helps you bring your awareness more acutely to that heart center, even the better. The heart is the portal, the heart, the power of the heart far exceeds the power of the mind. And so let's tap into that resource to connect with that unified field in this moment. And with each breath, just go deeper into the heart, allow it to expand, allow it to reach out as far as you decide it should reach out and share it unconditionally. And so let's begin with our silence. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room.
1: As I speak these words in the first person, I invite you to take them on as your own if you see fit. If they don't fit, just let them wash over you. I know that there is one power in the universe. It is the creative power. It is the loving power. It is the intelligent power that is at the back of every manifest thing. And I know that I am forever connected to this power because it is my true nature, expresses in, as and through me, as my life. Today, in this glorious celebration, I know that as the love circulates and the love amplifies, I will be lifted into an energy of unconditional love. From this place, I know that I will receive exactly what I need to receive today from this service, and i know that as i embody this energy and this idea i am truly playing a vital part in creating a world that works for everyone i release these words in gratitude knowing that the highest good is already done in the one mind and together we say so, so, it so it is, is.
0: What'd you think?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I just, you know, I, I, I have, uh, um, I wanna do a better job in terms of, of mentoring with our practitioners and interns and, and uh, find a way to involve them into the fabric of what we do more. And so I really, what I wanna acknowledge with Joseph, he's the first one of his classmates that's done this, but his willingness to be uncomfortable for the last week and think about this prayer. Because <laughs> I've been there and, you know, it's, it's like never goes away. Ah, I've got to do the prayer. And so I thank you for be, allowing yourself to be marinated in the discomfort of something new because that's how we learn and that's why it's impactful and meaningful. And it was certainly uh, expressed in what you shared with us, not just the words but the consciousness upon the words. So thank you, Joseph. Beautiful. Um, so today, uh, we had a really wonderful, rich, we only went four minutes over this morning, so I'm very happy. Once you see what we're doing, it's, it's really good. So, and I'm going to, I'm going to hit it right on the hour today because I know people have busy lives, but thank you for being with us. Uh, I want to start, we're honoring our teens today, and this beautiful video came across my awareness uh, in the middle of the week, and I thought, this is perfect to share, to set up the message that I want to convey with you. I have a very, very specific idea that I want to share with you that I think is, it just cuts to the chase of why we're here in terms of, of our spirituality on this planet. It has nothing to do with traditions or religious organizations, but it has to do with the truth of our being. So here it is. It's from our teen camp, Buckhorn Camp, and the teens just came back this week from this camp.
3: I love the environment. I love the atmosphere. This is where I need to be, and this is where I've always wanted to be. This is so natural for me to be here and to do what I'm doing here. There's honestly nothing like it.
4: Everyone just being extremely welcoming and warm and really just, let me into their lives and into the camp environment with open arms. I smiled the most in my entire life.
3: It's just a place for me to connect with myself where everyone is there for that goal also so I love camp.
4: (laughs) (laughs) This is probably the most loving place you could be outside of your own home. I know that for me personally whenever I'm down I shift my perspective. It doesn't make the situation better always but I know that personally I feel so much better when I can look at things a different way. And being at teen camp shows you that this practice is something that you need to keep in your daily life. The best part about camp is that we just accept everybody for who they are. We're not trying to change anybody to being somebody they're not. We're pushing them to be a more evolved and a better version of who they already are. Not living yourself based on the perspective of others and letting your own perspective of yourself flourish and, you know, kind of hold yourself in that and being able to, you know, look in the mirror and be like, hey, I like this, you know, like, you know, this is someone I could be a friend with. Yeah,
5: there's just unconditional love and it's the most amazing thing in the world. And I wish the whole world was like that, but we're working on it. So for right now, the best we have is camp. So I just love it so much.
3: Again, it's like when we're on the mountain with everyone, it's like we're in like Glenda's little bubble of just all this good and pure and happy and loving in the world. And And I like that. It's like my little, it's my second family.
4: I really like a lot of the stuff that we do with our camp families. Pretty much any workshop that we do with our families that involves individual expression and then dealing with that expression to show that person that expressed that they matter and that they were heard and understood and that they are supported.
5: And so the healing experience for me was having all of these teens sharing this love and to be in that love and to be in that space and really realize that this is the kind of love that can change the world. This is the kind of experience that can um, shift us out of a fear mentality, shift us out of a war mentality, shift us out of this us versus them mentality.
4: advisors here at camp, pretty much all of them have the ability to make sure that you're having a blast and also that you're having the exact kind of spiritual treatment that you need.
3: I really feel supported by the advisors at camp and we even call them like, moms and dads in our family groups and I think the advisors add to the experience so much more because a lot of them are former campers so they know what they're going into and they know how to deal with the workshops and they know how to talk to people and it's it's almost like
5: you are actually a family when you're with your And what keeps me coming back to camp as an advisor is really um, the love that the teens share and the ability that I get to reciprocate that love. And um, I had an experience at camp where I realized finally that um, this love has this intense healing power and how it healed my life is this reminder that these teens have this intense ability that these teens have to share love is something unlike anything you've ever experienced.
4: That Our teaching is expanding and it's helping more more lives and more people and changing lives and I've seen people grow from my own center and from centers across the country in just the short course of a few days and they've changed so much and it just makes me more confident that Teen camp will continue to do what it's been doing for the past however many years, even if I'm not here. So I'm just really happy in the way the whole week turned out, and I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've gotten through CSL. It was today where I believed I didn't need the acceptance of other people. It was today where I believed, or that I found, or realized, that I could just bless them on their path and just focus on myself. And they all just make me laugh. I really just love this team. It's really, it's been a really crazy year, but I, I had a good time.
0: All right, so if you're wondering what our teens were up to last week, they were there. And I'm gonna, we're gonna have them come up um, in a bit and share some, a process with you, which is really exciting. So what they do there is they go and they are immersed in this artificial environment where everyone strikes agreements in a way to see the divinity of one another and to create a a cocoon or bubble or a a quantum field of unconditional love. And as you noticed in that video, I'll I'll, I'll hit some of the highlights, but number one, the first thing that was expressed is the loving place where perspectives are shifted or a practice to keep this practice and this identification with who we are and who we are being and being who we are as something first and foremost in our lives on a daily, in a daily way. To so accepting people as they truly are, unconditional acceptance, no competition, no judgment, no blaming, no shaming, but just understanding and celebrating the truth of our being. Not letting perspective of other people determine who you are. A place and time where your own perspective can flourish as the one young boy said, to look at the mirror and say, hey, I like this. This is someone I could, that could be my friend. What a beautiful practice of, of honoring just the, the, the integrity of who and what we are. Um, it's, it's a family environment, and, that each, and I've been there. I've, it's not just t- talking about it, I'm talking from it. I, I did four years in a row there in uh, youth camp. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. It's very taxing. It's very exhausting because... Uh, if you've ever slept in a cabin with 14-year-old uh, <laughs> young boys who are k- passing candy bars back and forth on night long, it's a bit, uh, but it's a beautiful, beautiful environment to, to be part of. But it is in, in the uh, advisor service, fathers and mothers. It's the love that can shift us out of a, a war mentality, out of fear, out of a us versus them. That love has an intense healing power, as one of the young ladies there said. So today I realized as this young man said, I didn't need the acceptance of other people, I could just bless them on their path and focus on myself. Now that can can sound very self-serving in a a certain context, so I'm gonna expand on that a bit today. But I wanna just touch some of those highlights because everything said there, I think, is impactful and meaningful and one of the things that really uh, sets this camp experience apart for others. So today is around this idea of wholeness in our personal myth. We are all myth-makers. Mythologists, we we create our own story. As Rumi said, "You are not a drop in the ocean; you are the entire ocean in a drop." So we're a tradition of oneness. We're a tradition that says that we're all in this together. And when the kids go to camp and they practice that together, their lives are changed. Their consciousness is shifted because their perception about themselves is shifted the next slide is a, today's idea of myth and meaning and this is one of the crafts that was created at, at the csl teen camp not sure what year but a, rags tied together in a circle with a candle at the center but i just love that I, th- I think it's a beautiful image because many of the things done in camp are very tactile there's a lot of things that are done that help create an environment and alicia will share some of that later here's a picture of camp buckhorn next that's a 300 and, more than 360 young people from all over the world that were there. We were the only Canadian group there this year. Uh, and in the next slide is a group of our campers that went a few years ago when Sandra Gibbs was our, um, our uh, teen youth advisor. And she, has, uh, she passed that baton off to uh, Saskia Brumwell, uh, Blessing Brumwell, Blessing, Brumwell Blessing. And then Alicia has picked up that mantle. So here's a picture of Alicia Cloutier Parcells, and saying thank you, Alicia, for your work with these teens, and being such a part of that. So part of what happens at this teen group is that the teen starts to become empowered, and I have a definition of empowerment that I want to start with today, and that when empowerment is when we are no longer dependent on something or someone outside of ourselves. So that is the heart and soul of what I want to share with you today, and I think it's so important, because it's just a given in the world of how we measure ourselves, how we move through life. So the question then is, are we creating our personal reality consciously or is it being created by virtue of our conditioned selves? Are we creating our personal reality consciously or is it being created by virtue of our conditioned self? So if there is this potentiality that exists, would you agree that there's an infinite potentiality that is available to all? All right, good. I would agree with that. So, what makes it into an, exp- and so what makes this potentiality into an experience that we have? Because we're all having experiences all the time. And so, it is the context, the context of how we gather information, that informs our neurological self. So, last week um, I showed you some slides before I go any further. Oh, here's another beautiful one of the teens that B U T full, and they have they have this B U T full under on their, the fronts of them, and there's themes every year that to go, uh, David Brown was here earlier and he said, I got my camp buckhorn shirt on today, and it that is the theme from that, uh, that year, but there's a different theme. But I wanted to just t- touch briefly on, on some of the things I talked about last week, if you weren't here, but I talked about congruence, I talked about our chakra, our energy centers lining up, and when they're not lined up, we're out of congruence, so energy can't move. So when energy can't move, we can't tap into the unified field, which is the infinite possibility, this is, not, this is science now. This is not my, just me making stuff up. This is hard science. So what happens with, with the mystical experience that's available to all of us is when we're in congruence. That's why I said when, we're, when music can put us into congruence. So if you have your soundtrack of your life, that's a song that puts you into congruence. There's a rhythm there, and everything lines up. When you use the crystal bed here, we create congruence. So spiritual practice is all about aligning the energy so that the, then... You go into a congruent rhythm. And here's a heart rhythm pattern that I borrowed from the heart math site. And it shows on the top, it shows inc- incoherence, and then it shows coherence. And so it's the rhythm that we move into. It's when our energy lines up. There's a picture I did a lot of, of um, narrative last week on the pituitary gland, or on the pineal gland and the pituitary. But this is a picture of the pineal. It's right at the top of the spinal column. And that little gem right there looks like a pine cone. And that little gem has been passed down through ancient traditions, the Sumerians, the Romans, the Egyptians. Uh, it actually, the, the, the pine cone is actually in the Vatican. There's a, one of their main administration offices has this great big pine cone out in front on, the, on this big vase. On the Pope's staff, now I'm not promoting the Catholic Church, I'm just reporting to you here. Um, but on the po- uh, Pope's staff is the pine cone carved into it. And what it is, and through all the traditions, the Buddha, when you see the Buddha and he's got that sort of, that that headdress on in many of the statues, that represents once again the pine cone. The Buddhists know that when you tap into into the pineal gland, something magical can happen. We enter into the unified field. And it taps into the, to the uh, pituitary gland, which is at the seventh chakra, right at the crown. And when the two of those start to communicate, we open up and we download information. There's an intuitive nature. Dr. Holmes talked about intuition as knowing without having to do any research. It's just simply the information drops in. So there's a, there's a field of information available to us. And how do we live from that? How do we live in congruence? Because this is what spiritual practice is all about. And there's many, many we've been offering the, um, the Blessing of the Energy Centers meditation because it helps create congruence. Encouraging people to use a crystal bed, it creates congruence. It can become a way of life for us to live in congruence and to live closer and closer to this unified field of possibility. So if we have this this unified field of possibility, then the context of how we gather information changes. So if the context of our observation is the context of there's not enough, anybody ever had the experience of there's not enough? Well, probably not you guys, but people have had that experience, believe it or not. So there's not enough. Then what happens is that we collapse the field of infinite possibilities into the experience that mirrors insufficiency. In other words, we impress this idea upon this unified field, this subjective nature of our belief that says there's not enough. And the only thing that that unified field can mirror back to us is insufficiency because it loves us so much. It is our servant. It can only do for us What we give to it. Make sense? So we collapse this unified field into this idea. Is it a good idea or a bad idea? That infinite field doesn't judge it, it doesn't care, it just says yes. You got it, man. You believe in not enough. Here you go. How many of you, as children, got up and looked in the mirror and said, You know, I've shown up here on in this form, in this realm, to be not enough. To be a victim to be marginalized, to be judged, shamed, guilted. Anybody, anybody? But, th- but that can happen to us over time. It's the context that we acquire. So I wanna expand more on that. There is an infinite potentiality out there with an equal amount of energy whether we collapse that wave into one of two ideas in this case. Not enough or more than enough. Not enough, more than enough. We get to choose. And all of a sudden, when we start to embody more than enough, everything shifts and changes. But it's just like Joseph preparing for the the prayer. It's uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable because it's new knowing, it's new behavior. So it becomes very important how you and I take in reality and who we agree with and, and what our myths are, what our personal myths are. Because our myth can be there's not enough. Our myth can be that I'm a victim. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough time. People, I'm not lovable whatever it may be. So it's very important how we take in reality. The observer effect is very important. The observer, which comes from, I would say the observer is coming from this, this third eye. See, when the pituitary and the pineal get activated, especially the pineal, the pineal activates the third eye, it's the sixth chakra. And when that gets activated, the I am starts to take, overtake us, the truth of who and what we are. We're eternal. We are invincible. We are creative. We are powerful. We are vibrant health. We are unlimited possibility and opportunity. We have unique gifts and talents that no one has ever shown up hardwired the way you are hardwired. It's all beautiful. This infinite intelligence said, geez, I'm gonna, send, I'm gonna send Chris down. Chris, you want to go, go, boy. And everything that is unique and special about Chris, he has that opportunity to live in as I am. But what happens for us when we go out and we have the experiences in the world, we come back and we allow that to define us. So then we're not living from who and what we are. We are living from who and what we not are, are not. Because we've agreed to it. Much of it is subconscious. So when we make the the unconscious conscious, healing can happen. A light goes on. So in this observer, I am. If I'm embedded in what I have, there's another opportunity. So, yeah, I'm embedded in what I have or I don't have. We can easily see how our well-being is affected because our sense of I am is linked to something I must have in order to be okay. Make sense? As soon as I get this, I'm going to be okay. Or diminished by the not having of something. Can you see your sense of I am is affected by your having or not having experience? If I'm having this, I'm okay. If I'm not having that, I'm not Okay which determines it, which is exterior. So, and can you see how you might suffer at times when you have, some, have something in form of transition or flux or change? It could be your body. You get up and look in the mirror, and you realize, I'm not as handsome and as slim as I thought I was. <laughs> and so things are in flux. Or I'm not getting the respect I deserve. Or someone takes something of ours. Remember I shared two weeks ago, uh, we had a bike taken from our garage. So we had to process that. I mean, that's the human condition. People take stuff when it's not tied down, chained up. But it didn't, we didn't allow it to identify us, uh, who we are. It's not our I am, but it could have been Oh, that God came along. God created this and is punishing us. I mean, I was brought up in a tradition like that. No, it's just somebody came along and had an opportunity to take something that didn't belong to them and they took it. Hmm, I don't like that. Just reinforces for me, I don't operate that way. And I lock things up better. That's stu- called stewardship. Or we defend our story to be a victim. Anybody have a victim friend that defends their story? Because this is all good for the, you. Oh, you go to the Center for Spiritual Living and you think you're all God. That's good for you, but wait till you get to hear my story. So we defend our victim. Whenever we're identified by what we're having as our experience, we run the risk of reducing the totality of our well-being and our, personal, and our self-worth. Or, the other side of that can be, we become identified with what we do or are not able to do. If my capability is diminished, if my capacity to be empowered or productive is compromised, it is once again identified with what is happening out there. As opposed to the third eye experience, which is linked to a quality of being. A quality of being. And then our well-being is independent of what we have or what we do. See, if we understand that it is a quality of being that is ours to do and to live from, rather than what we are having or not having or what we are doing or not doing, it is the only way to live, folks. It doesn't mean we don't care about those things, but when when we are in a quality of being, who have I come here to be? And we can put those qualities together. I've come here to be a light. Now, I am the light. What a beautiful song. Golden, as Crystal sang earlier. But when we understand who we've come here to be, then we'll, and we are living that, then what we do and what we have is informed and influenced by that consciousness. It's not contingent upon someone's good opinion, arbitrary opinion, because I've been talking about shadow, wholeness and shadow. See, what happens to us when when we're not living from the I am, we start to live from our shadows. And the projections are mirrored back to us because that's the only thing they can be. So to have the awareness to realize, I've got to ground myself in this moment in the truth of my being, which is I am eternal. I I am the individualized expression. I am the ocean in the drop, as Rumi said. Rumi, we, Rumi had that third eye link going all the time. Wrote hundreds, of, uh, thousands of poems. They're still interpreting Rumi's poems. There's thousands left to interpret. But he was a, he was a practical mystic. So our, in, our well-being is then independent of what we have or what we do when we're in that quality of being. And then we bring our well-being to what we have and what we're doing. And we use what we have in the context of who and what we have come here to be. Everything changes because when we're moving out in the world based on what we've come here to be, how we impact everything changes. Instead of feeling okay depending on what we have, we take the power out of the circumstance and place it within ourselves. And whether or not we're able to, uh, who, uh, who we are being, who we have come here to be, and whether or not we are being who we have come here to be, in integrity with who and what we are, or being who we are not. That is the issue. That's the issue for all of us, myself included in that. So how do you manage that? Well, you, you have awareness. You look at the triggers in your life. What's triggering me here? Why am I triggered by this? This is what, when you do the shadow work. That's triggering me. Hmm. And then you get to look at what's triggered. And where did that come from? And drill down on it and pull it close. Go, wow, now I can own that piece of me. I don't have to be triggered by that anymore. I can be out in the world more effectively. I can be productive. I can be a force for good upon this planet. But if all I show up in is my shadow and my wounds, mm-hmm. so we are. this is an illusion. In integrity with who and what we are, of being who we are not, that is the issue. The illusion we engage in, we have an experience, and that informs us whether or not we're okay. I mean, that's how most people live their lives. I have this experience and well, That tells me I'm, I'm okay or not. We think it's that because something happened out there, it affects us here, causing us to feel the way we do. But what's happening now is science is showing us that's not true. Science is telling us that we feel the way we feel. This is, this is tough, but this is true. We feel the way we feel because we feel the way we feel. We decide to feel that way, and we're sticking to it. Damn it. Because I insist on feeling this way. But I want to show you a video right now that that illustrates what the mind will do because the mind makes stuff up all the time. It's a minute and 17 seconds, so give it your best. Just focus on it. It's really interesting and powerful. Our brains make stuff up. There's 400 billion bits of information available at any one time. We are capable of of bringing in and processing 2,000 bits. Our brains make stuff up to fill in the blanks. And so if we really live from who we are, what have I come here to be? That it changes everything. Changes everything in our experience. I've become to live a rich and wonderful and powerful life in freedom and joy and possibility, not in competition, but to share this, this dynamic life force energy. I have a slide that re- this repeats what I just shared with you. We take the power out of the circumstance and place it within ourselves and whether or not we are being who we have come here to be in integrity with who and what we are or being who we are not. That's the issue. Most people fall into the the dream, as the Buddhists would say, the maya of who they are not. And then we fight and we struggle and we suffer. It's our opportunity to take back and understand when we can connect. That's why the meditation practice, the grounding practice, practices throughout the day feel your feet on the floor and ground yourself connect into the earth open your heart space and allow that self-compassion to just permeate your being so that you are a force for good upon this planet so this is what happens with the teens when they go there they begin to understand they'd make the choices between the myth and the truth of their being and so we are part of this community of light we are the light so the last slide, and I'm going to invite Alicia Cluche Parcels to come up and share with you and bring the teens up and, and do a beautiful sharing, is am I being who I have come here to be? Such an important question. We answer that one, a lot of things fall into place for us. So Alicia, come on up. She's bringing um, Ayana and Gans Ferenc up, and also Rosita. Rosita's coming up. All the teens that went to teen camp this year. Hello, uh,
3: my name is Alicia. Um, so this program has been going on for a number of years now. I started when I was 14. I'm 27 now. Um, and as an advisor going to camp, what the program aims to do is uh, we have this vision and the vision is Um, personal self-empowerment through a spiritual awakening. So that's the container that we tried to hold so that the teens get to experience their own personal self-empowerment through their spiritual awakening. And so, yeah, we do workshops, and as you got to see in the video, it's a really incredible opportunity. And so I'm really grateful that um, this center and this congregation and Reverend Patrick and everybody here um, is so supportive um, in getting us to camp. And like he said earlier, we are the the only Canadian group that is going right now. Uh, We also had a group from Jamaica this year. So um, this is an opportunity that uh, we're really grateful to have to get to share our camp experience with you and so that you get to kind of get an idea of what
4: it is that we experience at camp. Hi, um, I'm Ayanna, Uh, I'm 17 and this was my fourth summer camp. This year has been kind of hard for me since, like, I was in my last year of high school. And, like, I had a lot of uh, stress-induced anxiety. Um, But, like, at camp, we have a night called Empowerment Night. Which is meant to help teens find themselves, kind of. And, like, deal with stuff in their lives that they think have been holding them back. And there's this one part of it where we... um, They asked us questions that we, like asked ourselves, and then we uh, wrote an affirmation and set it into a mirror, and this really helped me through what I was going through, and through it I found a lot of self-confidence and self-love that I had been missing this year. So, Hi, I am Gans, I'm 13, this is my first camp, and it was honestly the best week of my life just, like, in terms of making friends, the workshops, and everything. And I know these two, like, they said that they were afraid that I wasn't going to make friends. And, yeah, so I proved them wrong. And <laughs> Yeah. Um, hi, my name's
3: Rosita. I'm 16, and this is my second summer camp. Um, like Ayana said, we do these powerful workshops, so... My favorite workshop was the one that was called It Is What It Is. So that was really just like, (laughs) Um, it was a lot of just like, yes, these things happen to you. It could be good or it could be bad, but you have to move on. And like, it's a learning experience and you just have to get past it and you have to realize why it was there and that um, everything happens for a reason kind of thing. So as advisors, uh, we get to do the workshops as well. And I I lead my family group of 17s through these workshops. And the workshop that was really powerful for me was a workshop called Think Outside the Box. And we um, took these boxes and we wrote all of our fears and all the things that kept us from sharing our love and receiving the love from the world. Um, So fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of judgment, all of these walls that we've built around ourselves. And then we had to wear the boxes around our heads and cut these holes for eyes and walk around camp and try to practice giving and receiving love And you can imagine that trying to hug somebody with a box on both people's heads, it's it's really difficult. And it was this beautiful metaphor for how these walls stop us in life from moving forward, uh, from loving, from receiving and giving love. And so um, as you can see our shirts, this year's camp theme was Love love is love is love is love. And um, another workshop that we did, we uh, planted seeds around the camp of wildflowers while we were talking about the seeds that we wanted to plant in our lives, seeds of love that we wanted to plant in our lives. And then we did a Sufi dance that we want to share with you. Um, And we're gonna get you guys to do it with us. Um, So I invite you to take a moment to think about where in your life you'd like to plant a seed of love. Maybe it's with a person or within yourself, self-love, maybe it's in giving or receiving love. So just take a moment to do that. And then stand up. So there's, it's super easy, there's, it's a couple lines long, but these guys are gonna demonstrate it. there's like some movement happening here. So guys, why don't we sing it and do it once and then we'll do it with everybody. How does that sound? Ready?
2: One, two, three. Standing like a tree with the roots dug down, branches wide and open, come down the rain, come down the sun, Come down the fruits to a heart that is open To be standing like a tree with the roots dug down My branch is wide and open Come down the rain, come down the sun Come down the fruits to a heart that is open Left foot
3: uh. <laughs> Okay, let's do this one So everybody feel free to join in Ready? Ready?
2: Standing like a tree with my roots dug down, my branches wide and open. Come down the rain, come down the sun, come down the fruits to a heart that is open. To be standing like a tree with my roots dug down, my branches wide and open. Come down the rain, come down the sun, come down the heart that is open to be standing like a tree with my roots dug down my branches wide and open come down the rain come down the sun come down the fruits to a heart that is open one more standing like a tree with the roots dug down my branches wide and open
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. So as you can see, the seeds uh, of possibility are here for our teen group. I've been down to that, when when, when I've been down there, we've had up to, I don't know, 20 teens that have gone with us. It's quite a production. And so it's really lovely that these three carry on the the, uh, tradition that we've established here, 18 years of continuous participation in the teen group. And thank you for being part of this. Thank you so much for this. And now I can tell that the musicians are ready to go, so I'm going to be quiet as we enjoy Crystal's beautiful voice in artistry.